0: So Matthew 28, as we finish this book, we come to verses 18 through 20. And the main topic is a call to discipleship. But Jesus has two very important things to say at the beginning and at the end that speak of the Spirit in which his ministry is to be done. And if you miss that, you miss everything if all you're hearing is go and make disciples we become like a bunch of robots we start looking more like the mormons knocking on doors or the Jehovah's witnesses knocking on doors <clears throat> rather than jesus apostles in love and in the power of the spirit truly meeting people and seeing them come to christ and grow in christ let's read those verses in the midst of all your goings in the midst of all your baptizing in the midst of all your teachings one command make disciples so often i i think that we end up communicating consciously or subconsciously that the church is where we evangelize the pastor will evangelize for us or we'll have special guests come in and do an evangelistic crusade of some type or give a, a pill at the end of the message, that's where evangelism happens. So there's sort of this upper class Christianity that does the discipling. And my job is just to show up and 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 let them do their discipling. This is completely wrong. The church is where we get built up strength and strengthened. It's In our culture, in our Western culture, we've had people come and they don't know the Lord, and, they, and we do give an appeal to those to be saved, and it does happen, and that's great, but that wasn't the Lord's plan. The Lord's plan is that every single one of his disciples, the 11 that were left, and everybody they talked to would then become disciples also. So I've taught you 12 disciples to listen to what I'm saying and remember more than once he would send them out in twos, wouldn't he? Now now, go tell them what I taught you. Go do what you saw me do. And he's saying, this is the final command I give you. We're going to wrap up a very lengthy book of the Gospel of Matthew with Jesus saying, it's not just 11 of you, and that's the end of the story. <laughs> All 11 of you are to make dozens, hundreds of you. And it's the link back as if I were the one doing it. So you're discipling them, teaching them all that I taught you, showing them all that I showed you. But the main thing that I showed you was you do it also. And that needs to make me your main thing that you let them know they do it also. So a guy's two weeks in Christ, he can do it, right? The blind man got up and he started telling everybody I was blind and now I see, and people came to Jesus. The woman at the well ran into town saying hey i just had this talk with jesus you should meet him and the whole town came out i i can tell you in my lifetime many times a brand new believer maybe saved a week or two will come and share a verse with me and tell me what the lord showed him and i'm like i've never seen that and what a blessing that is i don't go look dude i've been 25 years in the lord at this point point," and you're you know, you're barely wet behind the ears. Don't come and teach me anything. That's not the way it works, is it? Immediately, they're a disciple. Immediately, God can show them things from their life experiences and so forth that you have not yet seen. And we're all saying, this is, this is how it works. I share with you what Jesus is sharing with me. You share with me what Jesus is sharing with you. And, and it's this radical thing that we're all. I think this is the picture that I think happens. You come to church and I'm on the football field. And then the band is on the football field and we're all running the plays. And you guys are in the You guys are all on the bleachers watching the game. That was never God's intention. We are all on the field <laughs> and it's not a Sunday morning. It's all week. We're on the field. We're all quarterbacking at times. We're all running plays. We are all in the game. And then we come together to get strengthened to go out and play the game again. And so there is the command to go into all the world and to do that, but it's not this passage. In Mark 16, 15, it's that passage, the imperative, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Luke 24, go out and preach a repentance or a remission of sins and preach in his name to all nations. It's in the imperative there. I'm not saying there's not a sermon about going to all the world and preach the gospel. It's just not here. It's close, but when you look at the actual grammar of the sentence, the focus is on discipleship. And so, we're to teach them what we know. Peter says this in 2 Peter 1, 2, and 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us all things that pertain, notice, to life, earth stuff, and godliness, heavenly stuff. Once again, it says the same thing, through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. And through these, you may be partakers of that divine nature and help you to escape that corruption that's in the world through lust. And so that's sort of a preview for next week. But today I want to concentrate on the two thoughts teachings that are sandwiched they're the bread if you would the meat is discipleship that is absolutely essential first of all it's in verse 18 jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth in the old king james it says all power has been given to me in heaven on earth and then matthew 28 the very end of verse 20 and lo i am with you always even to the end of the age and everybody said amen so jesus is filling it deeply and he wants you to fill it deeply and oh i want you to know deep in your soul that i am with you to then. whether it's the end of your life or whether it's the end until the rapture of the church or even those who believe in the tribulation period i'm with you and to, Those who make it after the tribulation and the millennial reign, I'm with you. I'm with you to whatever end of disposition of time the Bible relates to. I am with you to the end. Do we understand this? He's in essence saying the game is rigged. (laughs) We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. All power is given to me in heaven and things are pretty organized there. There used to be some rebel angels. They were kicked out. Everybody in heaven right now. It's peace and joy and the angels that are there. Those who have died and gone to be with the Lord. Everybody's just on the same page, loving, worshiping, enjoying fellowship. In heaven, it's a pretty organized place. Earth, it's a very confusing place to us. But yet the Lord repeatedly says there's nobody in power that he's not in control of, directly or indirectly. He either allowed them to be in power or he's put them in power. In Proverbs, it says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And like a river, he turns it whatever way he desires. And so he's got things in control. Satan's limited. His demons are limited. Often we learn in the book of Job that Satan has to go and say, Hey, one of your folks, one of your kids down there. I think I could take him out. Remember the story of Job? And, And God says, yeah, go ahead. Let that trial happen in his life. You'll see that his faith is rock solid, but he had to get permission. There's a limited amount of demons and they have a limited amount they can target and do. And let me tell you, you're a target because you're you're coming to seek the Lord. Whatever demons we're doing Sunday morning, they're attacking everybody who's listening to the word. Wherever two or three have gathered, Jesus is in the midst. And I will equally say, where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, Satan or one of his demons are there in the midst, trying to hinder things, like evidently he's doing with our sound this morning. <laughs> The the, the audio guys look a little worried I, I don't know why okay but all power and authority it's in Jesus hands in John 14 12 through 14 most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Do you hear what he's saying? I have all power and authority in heaven and on earth. The works that I did. Because I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to make you all righteous people as I am righteous. Isn't that radical? He who knew no sin became sin and we become the righteousness of Christ. I'm declaring you righteous. When you look in the mirror, you step back and look at your life. We are not righteous as Jesus is righteous. But the Lord's done it spiritually. And by faith, we believe that. It's just getting out of this body. And as soon as we're in our new body, we will see it. Because that is a fact. But I'm going to declare you righteous. And I'm going to be interceding for you. And everything on your heart, I have all power. I have all authority. Jesus said, where two or three get together and pray in my name, whatever's, whatever you bind in heaven is bound on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven is loose in earth. I have total power and you need to operate with that in mind, that nothing's impossible with God, that all things are possible. And so when you're going about to make disciples, remember that you're walking in the same power and greater power than I did when I was going about making disciples. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 15, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Wow, do you hear that? Through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God a fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, believing the words of Christ and becoming Christians and among those who are perishing those who reject you and say you're an idiot for not being an atheist and, and you're you're a childish mind, you're not an intellectual for not believing, for believing there's a God to begin with. But either way, under Christ, when we go, he always leads us in triumph. If you share the Lord with somebody and they reject it, Christ is glorified. If you go to share the Lord with somebody and they do receive it christ is glorified either way it's a beautiful fragrance unto christ you see i think we get stuck there we forget all power all authority has been given unto us and we're not going as me to you i'm going as an ambassador of christ in the name of christ with all power and all authority anywhere in the entire universe including heaven itself and i'm speaking on god's behalf To you and the power and authority and this is the truth that's going to stand throughout eternity what God has revealed to us in his word he goes on to say in 2nd Corinthians 2 verse 18 to 20 now all these things are of God and who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the what the ministry of reconciliation that is that God was in Christ Reconciling the world to himself. This is 2 Corinthians 5, by the way. Uh, misprint on my. 2 Corinthians 5. And he goes on to say, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ and through God. We're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do we get this? We, we understand in our Western culture today that we're gonna probably see somebody receive the Lord and you can start taking him through the Bible and start sharing Jesus with them. Probably one in a hundred, right? See, I can remember back right after the Iron Curtain fell Calvary Chapel was ready to go in to those eastern black countries and our youth pastor went into Hungary and we were there and the people you get out on the street and start preaching everybody listens and everybody's just like tell me teach me help me we don't know anything about God and they would receive the Lord with all sincerity it was rare that somebody would reject us Teachers would say, you got to come to my school. Now we know lying and cheating and rape and murder and et cetera is wrong, but we don't know why, why is that wrong? And we would go into those schools and explain to them, we're made in the image of God and that we all sense it. we have a conscience and, and we sense when we're falling short of walking in God's image and sin has destroyed that. But Christ has come to rebuild that through his cross and the whole classroom would get saved. There were no principals saying, get out of here. There were no teachers against us. The entire country was just raw flesh going, help us. We've had Russia and the Soviet Union making us, forcing us to be atheists. And if we ever believe in God or think about it, they'd punish us to the nth degree. And now they're just like, tell us about Jesus. Unfortunately, we don't have that in our country. Matter of fact, in the last days, we know that it's going to get harder and harder. And so we're knocking on a hundred doors. We're talking to a hundred people about Christ. We're loving on, and and maybe one in a hundred will be a positive experience. But either way, you're a beautiful fragrance being a disciple of Christ. So the... Next part of this message I want to concentrate on and I have a lot of verses. I don't know if I'll have time to get through all of them is That second part and lo I am with you always Right up to the very end of the age and to the end of all things. I am with you In essence he is saying as you go in all the world you need to have confidence Surety that you and me are right, that you are secure in your salvation. You are secure in my love for you. You have a strong doctrine that says, even though I sin 70 times 70 a day, God forgiving me 70 times seven a day. And where my sin abounds, his grace abounds more. And the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do as we struggle in these very, very wicked, sinful flesh, oh, wretched man that I am, there is still no condemnation in Christ. Psalms 103, it says, God knows our frame. He knows we're just dust. As a father pities his child, so the Lord pities us. As we see the little child trying to walk and falling down and falling down and falling down. We're not talking to that little toddler going, you're a loser. Can't walk. Look at that. Three steps and you eat it. What a loser. <laughs> is any parent going to be that way? We, we are in an impossible situation with this sinful flesh. We're going to constantly struggle and fight and fight. And I, and I hope we get to the place that, that sinning is, is rather than the norm is the exception to the rule because it's a free place to be when you're not being overcome by the flesh all the time, but you're free to walk in a holy life. But either way, he's not gonna leave you or forsake you, whether that process takes 10 years or 110 years, your salvation is secure. And this is what I wanna talk about this morning because if you don't go into the world with this, what message are you giving people? Hey, I wanna tell you about Jesus and he will save you Very likely, mostly, possibly, you know, after you come to Christ, there is a reasonable possibility you'll make it to heaven. If you're not secure in your salvation, that is your message. I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. Why am I telling this guy that he for sure can go to heaven when I'm not sure if I can, if I'm sure if I'm going to heaven. We have to undo that lie. And this is what I want to do with the number of verses. I don't know if we'll get there today. The one thing working in my advantage is I forgot my phone. I don't know what time it is. so You can just sort of, you know, do this for me, Kurt. Just say, okay, enough isn't up, Ryan. Pick it up next week. Let's start here in, in Paul, the way he understood salvation. A very well-known passage, isn't it? In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a what? A gift of God. I think Paul was jumping up and down, screaming, banging the drum. It's a gift of God. So it's not of works. Unless you should boast. You're saving yourself. Oh, I got saved. God said, be a good person. And boy, I jumped right into it. Now some of the other guys, they didn't get it. They received the Lord and, And they didn't just start becoming obedient the way I am. What kind of of doctrine is that? But what he's going to say in verse 10, right away after he gives you that gift of salvation, what else does he give you the gift of? We are his workmanship, his poem, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand before time began that we should walk in them. Listen to The concept of free gift in Romans 5 verse 15 through 18 but the free gift we should just say free gift every time we hear it okay every time we hear the word gift so the free gift is not like the offense it may for if by one man's offense many died much more the grace of God and the gift of God by grace of the one man Jesus Christ abound to many In verse 16, here it is again. The gift is not like that which came uh, through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more who received abundance of grace and the gift. gift... Of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as the, through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Paul later says in Romans eleven twenty nine about any of the gifts of God, especially that of salvation. In Romans eleven twenty nine. For the what? Gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. You can read in Romans 9, he talks all about how salvation is a calling of God. And now he says, By the way, something you need to know about God, once he gives a gift, he never takes it back. That's exactly what Romans eleven twenty-nine. Whether that's a calling unto salvation or a calling unto Unto heaven or a calling into sanctification or a calling in a ministry God doesn't stop he is going to perfect you until you accomplish that which he had preordained that you would walk in it we're going back to Romans 4 we're going to talk about Abraham some really important stuff here what then shall we say that Abraham our father is found according to the flesh if Abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, as a gift, but as a debt. God owes salvation to Abraham if he worked for it. But to him who does not work, let me say this again, verse 5, Romans 4, 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is accounted for righteousness. Do you believe that God's work for us is to justify us the ungodly and account us righteousness? I'm going to take the unrighteousness away. I'm going to take the ungodliness away. How are you going to do that? Christ through paying the penalty of your sin on the cross. Christ died because our sins were upon him. The soul that sins shall surely die. Jesus never sinned. How did he die? Our sins put him to death. But three days later, he rose again. Where are our sins? They've been paid for. He took the ungodly. He took the unrighteousness. He took the sinfulness. And he buried it into the deepest sea. Scattered as far the east of the west. And he's given us in that place. Accounting us. It says... By faith, we were accounted righteousness. Listen to what David says there in verse 6 of Romans 4. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Listen to verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom God shall not impute sin. Do you hear what David was saying? There's a time coming, David the prophet would say, where God takes away sin. And uh, if you would, let me just give you an analogy. God has this big giant whiteboard where all your sins are on this whiteboard. And when Jesus died, this is what a lot of people think, he erased the chalkboard. But you know how those chalkboards are. You can still sort of see, oh, I used to be up there. But let's say he got that extra deep scrubber and and it's there and, and every it's just a pure white board like the day it was bought. But now, when necessary, even though you're a Christian, I'm sorry, but this is an extra bad sin. I got to write it back up there. No, when Christ died, he didn't erase the chalkboard. He took the board and destroyed it into little tiny pieces there's nothing left of it it's dust so now when we sin what does he say there whom the lord shall not impute sin so now that we become the child of god now that he's given us of his righteousness when we do sin there is no place to keep track of our sin because they've all been already forgiven on the cross and through the resurrection. There's no place to impute sin. So people often come and, and say, Brian, I sinned a couple weeks ago. I feel so dirty and so sinful. And 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 I'm like, but it says, confess your sin. He's faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. I know, I know, but I, I keep confessing it every day. God, please forgive me, please forgive me. And God is, I'm telling you, God's saying to you, I have no idea what you're talking about. Remember two weeks ago, I sinned, I asked you to forgive me. I don't know, but I don't remember. I have no idea. Well, I'm feeling really bad. I'm sorry you're feeling bad, but I, I can't help you because I don't know what sin you're talking about. There is no place for God to keep sin to any longer to us imputing to us. In Romans 4, 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now get this in Romans 4, 16 through 25. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to all those who are of the law, who are biologically Jews, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he he says here, God, made it by faith alone with zero works because that way God can make salvation sure for us. Think about it. If there was one way for you to screw up your salvation, would you do it? You would. I mean, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They didn't have sinful bodies yet. They just had human bodies. And like out of the entire planet, (laughs) out of the gazillion fruit trees. There's one tree, there's only one way you can mess this up. You're like, man, I don't need that tree. I got a billion other trees. Why would I need that tree? What did they do? They, They had one way to mess it up and they messed it up and that's not even in sinful bodies. We're in sinful bodies. If there's one way to mess it up, we would mess it up. That's our sinful nature. But we, he is the father of all of us. In verse 17, as it's written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead calls those things which are do not exist as so though they did. Verse 18, who contrary to hope and hope believed. That's, it's, that's us, right? We struggle, we stumble, we fall. God cleans us, we get dirty again. And we just... It's hard for us to believe that we are really righteous before God. I know the Bible says I'm righteous. I know the Bible says God forgave all my sin, but it's a very hard thing to believe. I know it was hard for Abraham and Sarah to believe at 90 and 99 years old, they would get pregnant and have a baby. This is what he's gonna touch about who, in verse 18, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform Therefore, God accounted to him for righteousness. Listen to verse 21. So Abraham's having a hard time believing God. Abraham, you're gonna have as many kids as the sand of the sea, as the stars of the heaven. And Abraham said, but I'm 88, Sarah's 80. And Then they were 89 and then he was 99. But every year you got older, He just strengthened, he got strengthened and strengthened. God's gonna do it. I don't know how, but I'm gonna have as many kids as the sand of the sea through Sarah, not through Hagar, but through Sarah. It's gonna happen. And God says that I'm declaring righteous. That's the same faith that all your children, Gentile and Jew will have to have the same faith in the work of Christ for salvation. And in verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, Father Abraham, but also for us, listen to verse 24, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Just like Abraham, we need not to waver in our faith. We need to be strengthened and fully convinced what Jesus taught us is true. Even though our sinful flesh seems to get worse by the day. Even though my wretched flesh is seeming to struggle more than it did before. In hope and against doubt, I'm going to continue to believe. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear that we have been justified by faith now we have this peace in our souls through our lord jesus christ that peace that confidence knowing that we are god's children righteous as jesus is righteous all power has been given unto jesus in heaven on earth jesus says now once i've ascended to the father i give you all power as well all the authority that I have, I'm going to disperse to you, my, to my children. What The works I did, you'll do in greater works. You can have faith as little mustard seed. Speak to this mountain, be uprooted, cast into the sea, and it'll be done for you. He goes on now in verse 6 through 9 of Romans 5. Now, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you hear this? When Christ died for us, we were wicked, we were vile. We were those who had been spitting on him and ripping out his beard and mocking him. That was us, but Christ still died for them. He still died for us. Now, why is this important? Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So it's a logical argument from greater to lesser. He's saying if Christ died on the cross, paying for your sins when you were this wretched, horrible sinner, now you're the believer and now you're a wretched, horrible believer. But if he was willing to take your sins away when you were a sinner opposed against Christ, how much more now is his blood gonna apply to you that you're one of his kids who is struggling, maybe as much as you did in some areas of your life, as a non-believer? He's saying, guys, if God was for you when you were a sinner, how much more now he's for you because you're his child? In Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. When we were sinners, opposed to God, hated God, loved wickedness, wanted nothing to do with Christianity, Christ loved us and died for us and paid for our sins. Now we're a believer and we... We're in this human flesh. We're in this sinful world. We're struggling with every possible weakness in our flesh at some point or another. God was for you when you were against him. How much now God is for you when you're for him. You're trying to walk with him. How much more he is for you. And then Romans 5, 11, And not only that, but also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we now have received reconciliation do you get it we don't just need to say okay well that's a good fact thank you I'll file that away rejoice in it we are reconciled with Christ listen now in Romans 10 verse 9 through 13 if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead what you will be saved For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do we get this? Jesus is saying, before you go to make disciples of the world it needs to be so deep within you that I love you that I am for you that I've declared you righteous that you are a child of God you are as righteous as I am righteous you are heaven is definitely yours to be absent this body you are going to be present with the Lord as you struggle through this life with your flesh that's just the human nature but I I pity you as a father loves his own child and pities his own child watching the struggles of his life learning how to walk and falling off the bike and struggling with math and struggling in the teenage years and all the struggles just like you have love for your child knowing you went through all those difficult horrible seasons of your life well I'm the same with you but it's not it's not from zero to 15 or 16 years old it's from zero till the day you die I love you and I'm looking through the eyes of a father loving his child. So we are not to be sitting around wondering if we are saved or not. That question has to be settled. The moment you believed in Jesus as Lord. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. Remember John 1, what Jesus said in verse 12 through 13 but as many as what received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born or born again, not by blood, not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man, but you are born again by the will of God. John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should, say these next few words with me, not, perish but have everlasting life it does not say any conditions on this it does not say you won't perish if you start living a perfectly obedient life if you go to church every Sunday if you read the Bible enough I'll decide later what's enough he just says you believe You believe in your heart, Jesus, Lord God, raised him from the dead. Believe in his name. You're saved. In John 6, 28 and 29. And they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is not the works plural. This is the work singular. This is the work of God, Jesus said. Here it is. You believe in him whom he, God the Father, sent. That's it. In John 6.37. And all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, what? I will by no means cast out. John six thirty-nine. Do you think Jesus is trying to make a point here? Listen to John six thirty-nine. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me I should lose nothing and should raise it up at the last day. John 6.40, and this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, 6.44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 6.47, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Do you hear Jesus making this statement? This is not a questionable thing. This is a certain thing. So when we're sharing the Lord with somebody and they're totally uninterested, we just say, Father, start drawing them. Father, you got to do the work ahead of time. Your Holy Spirit has to be touching them ahead of time. Think about when you became a Christian. I can't tell you how many times When I've opened my mouth to say, hey, here's a verse I read this morning, can I share this with you? Or hey, do you know how you can know for certain you could go to heaven? Let me pull out the sheet and let me share these verses with you. Every time, you know what they'll say when they believe? This morning, (laughs) I woke up out of bed terrified. and I was crying out to God, help me, God. Often they'll say, last week I almost killed myself. they're they're, God's calling them all you're doing is being a part of what the father's already doing notice John 10 verse 27 29 my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them what eternal life and what else they shall never perish I guess these human beings back when Jesus was on earth are sort of the same today Said I have everlasting life. Do I? Really? I got my fingers crossed. I got a rabbit's foot in my pocket. Do, do I really? Because I mean, you gave me eternal life, but that was before last week, and you know, last week was uh, that was ugly. Am I still on the everlasting life thing? Well, let's let's find out. What's the one work you do to make sure that you're always on that list? Believe in Him whom God has sent. Righteousness of God, Romans says, is from faith to faith. So my sheep hear my voice. They come to me, they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That's you snatching yourself out of God's hand or some other human being or Satan, some demonic being. My father who has given me is greater than all. This is not greater in substance, it's just greater in authority. My father is the greatest in authority of all. And no one is able to snatch him out of my father's hand. God's greedy about us. We believe in him. And the father goes, mine. And Jesus says, that's right. They're ours. It's through my blood. It was me coming to human flesh. They're ours. And he's not letting him go. He's stingy. I'm not going to give up my child. You know, children can be pretty weird sometimes. I I remember... uh, When my kids were small, I'd be holding their hand after church and there'd be a number of people around and they would let go. And the next minute they're holding a complete stranger's hand. And we're enjoying this, it's sort of funny. And then finally they like, how can I be holding your hand here and you're over there? And they look up and they see this guy and they usually get terrified. But what if they said, yeah, this big fat white guy's a whole lot better looking than that other white guy. (laughs) you're, You're my new dad. You're my new dad, I'm going home with you. Now, what if the child said that? You think it would work? Do you think now he's no longer a part of my family? Of course not, this is what God is saying. These are my sheep, they're in my hand. They're in the father's hand. Once we got you, we're never letting you go and you can't make us let go. And even if you do let go, we're gonna get you. Listen to 1 John five thirteen. These things I've written to you believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of Son of God. People are getting weak going, oh, I'm saved this week. I got unsaved last week. I got saved again the next week. I got uh, saved back and I am sick of this. I'm sick of being happy and then terrified. I'm sick of thinking God's happy with me and now God hates my guts. That's your bad theology. And you're right. Who would want to tell anybody about that? Oh, come to Jesus and join my roller coaster. <laughs> come to Jesus and be terrified 75% of the time, feel guilty the other 25% of the time. Boy, this is a wonderful Christianity. Who, 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 why aren't people sharing their faith? because that's what people are believing, consciously or subconsciously, and it is not a good news. It is not true salvation. It is really not saying you have eternal life. And you're not sure of it yourself. Stop this. I have all authority and power in heaven and on earth, and therefore you have all power and authority as the king's kids, as my priests and my kings, unto God the Father and unto Jesus Christ, forever and ever. 1 John 5.13 These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I just read that but evidently the Lord wanted you to hear it twice. <laughs> David even in the Old Testament understood this, right? He had sinned with Bathsheba. He had murdered people to try to cover up the fact she was pregnant. And then after that he writes Psalms 23.6 Surely his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I possibly, maybe, I hope, no, what does he say? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I get it now. I got it. The Lord's my shepherd. I was a shepherd. I didn't blame any of those sheep. I didn't say, you're a bad sheep. You wandered away from the other sheep today. Just go, go. You're on your own from now on. That's the way you're going to be. You're on your own. David's going, the sheep are my sheep, my responsibility. If they start doing wrong, I I bring them back to myself. I go out with a hundred. I come back with a hundred. If I lost one, I leave the 99. I go get the one. I got it now. Just like me. I'm a sheep and boy, am I a dumb sheep but it's okay because he's my shepherd and shepherds don't lose their sheep. And even when sheep are really, really bad, they're still my sheep. And therefore he will, his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Woo. I have joy. I have peace. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, not because I'm great, not because I'm good, not because I overcome my flesh and I had a good 30 days in a row of being completely obedient. Not because the last four years of my life before I died, I really was living holy. No, it's because of God's work. Jesus said this, be confident. Philippians 1.6, he who has begun the good work in you will complete it until when? Whenever we see Jesus, whether that's death or the rapture, whenever it is we see Jesus, he's not giving up until his sheep are in his fold and their new bodies in heaven. just a few more verses here. Jesus never sees us separated from himself. Do we understand that? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen to John 17, verse 20 to 20. This whole chapter is amazing. I'd help go home and read all of John 17 today. But let me just pick out a couple of verses here. It was hard, believe me. I I, I deleted a lot of John 17s. I knew we wouldn't have time. But here's verse 20 to 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. Verse 20, Jesus is praying for us, guys. Did you know why Jesus was in human flesh? He prayed for us. You and me. And what does he say about us? Those who would believe through his word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. How are people going to believe in our word? Because we have the confidence that we are one with Christ, and Christ is one with us. And when they see our confidence, when they know the joy of preaching the gospel of eternal life, and it's a sure thing, they get it. And he says it again in verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I've given to them. Wow. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. Why? That the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. Do we hear this, guys? Go into the world and make disciples. First, you've got to understand the oneness with God. That when you believed on me, you became perfectly righteous, and we are all one, even though physically we're not together at this moment. It's only going to be a second of time, isn't it? To the Lord, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. You know, my, my son this last week is, my little grandson just turned five and he's like, dad, does sometimes you just like feel like you never lived even a second? And I'm like, you're looking at your little son who's, you know, five years old. Well, I'm looking at my little son who's, you know, 35 years old and it feels about the same amount of time between you getting born and turning five and you getting born and turning 35. They both seem about the same second guys we don't have long do we and we are going to be with the Lord physically that the world may know that he has sent us and that he loves us that's the message God loves you and he's going to give you eternal life by believing in him and the work that he did on the cross Ephesians 2 verse 4 through 7 but God who is rich in mercy amen to that you got to believe in a God rich in mercy or we're in trouble Because of his great love with which he loved us, his mercy comes out of love. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And notice verse six in the present tense. Present tense. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The moment you were born again, as the Father is in Christ and Christ is in the Father, that they would be in us and us in them in the same unity. Do we understand this? We maybe it'll help you to say we're all in the same family. (laughs) But Christ is saying, I'm looking at past, present, and future equally. And I can look and see you on earth for your split second, (laughs) you know, for that vapor of time. And I see in the vapor of time that one little tiny, tiny minute where you believed on me you became one with me and the father you, you were you received the same righteousness as i have in the glory of god before i ever came to earth and now you're in the same righteousness and now just as we are one you are one with us and you already right now are seated in heavenly places with christ and then he goes on to say that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in christ jesus we're gonna be constantly homeschooled from heaven, only one subject, grace. And he's gonna reveal it throughout the bazillions of years, deeper and deeper how kind God was towards us, how holy God was, how sinful we were, but how the work of the cross did far more than our little tiny brains can really catch right now. It'll take about a billion years of, of class on grace to really understand all that God's done for us. In 1 John 4:17, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he what present tense is so are we in this world well explain to me what it means that i'm righteous as christ is righteous well how do you picture christ in heaven right now <laughs> in his brand new glorified body at the right hand of the father in fellowship with the father you are right now in that same position. The only thing keeping you is this human body. We're almost there. First Peter 1, three to five. Listen to what Jesus explains until the end. I'm with you always, even to the end. First Peter 1, three to five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, this is us guys, to an inheritance uh, incorruptible, undefiled, that is made not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by what? The power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. When you look at the Bible, salvation includes our brand new body and includes heaven. So Brian, are you saved? I, I'm, it's happening well, what do you mean well when the definition of completely being saved is being in our brand new body in heaven with the Lord it's gonna happen it's as good as this to happen Jesus already sees us with them in heavenly places so by faith I say I am saved because you don't look very saved. well trust me in heaven right now I'm righteous my brand new body but now by faith it's a sure thing I, I don't doubt it's gonna happen I know it's gonna happen it's just a matter of when. That's why we speak in faith and they're going, well, you don't look righteous. Well, your your, your side of me doesn't matter. The Father looking through the blood of Christ sees me perfect already kept. Our, our salvation is incorruptible and defiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven. It's up there, guys. Trust us, it's up there. And it's being kept by the power of God. Jude one twenty four. Now to him who's able to keep us from stumbling and to present us, how? To present you faultless before the presence of glory with what? Exceeding joy. Second, Timothy 2 Timothy 2.13. If you are faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny his own nature. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.7-9. So that you come short in no gift, salvation or any other. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Maranatha come quickly Lord Jesus 1st Corinthians 1 8 now who will also confirm you to what the end That you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord We are coming short in no gift God is confirmed already to the end So I just say this, Luke 12, 32, a verse I've been meditating on all week. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let that just soak in for a minute. Do not fear, little flock, for it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You're in his hand Your salvation's kept in his hand. Yes, earth looks like it's getting to us, but it's not. Our glory is not fading. Our salvation is not in question. This old world and the devil's making us struggle in some pretty ugly ways that Jesus would never have done it. He was without sin. But yet, where our sin abounds, his grace abounds more. He's kept by the power of God so to finish up once again Matthew 28 18 Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth Matthew 28 the end of verse 20 and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age and once again everybody said Lord just put this deep in our hearts there's so many verses more I could share so many more truths on this subject that are so obvious and clear and powerful. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would deep, deep, deep in our hearts, Lord, strengthen our faith in hope against hope, in hope believed. Our bodies as good as dead, but yet we don't stop believing a wretched man that I am it doesn't it doesn't taint whatever you are still our savior holding on to us neither things present nor things to come are going to separate us from your love neither height nor depth is going to separate us from your love we're more than conquerors because of your love for us and lord we come now to hear before we go into our world as we go about our going as we go about our baptizing, as we go about our teaching, and we are seeking to impart to everyone around us as the light and salt of the earth, that you can be saved and know that you're saved and rejoice in your salvation as if it has already happened because it's already been reserved in heaven, kept by the power of God. It is a certain thing you're in God's hand the moment you believe. You will not perish but have everlasting life. And there may be some of you here today that don't know the Lord and you're right now going, man, I've heard about Christianity, I've been around Christianity, but today I understand what it means to truly have faith in Jesus. Right now, just cry out in your heart, God forgive me. God heal me, God cleanse me. Lord, I want your salvation. Now, Lord, all who call upon your name will be saved. None will be ashamed but everybody will have the riches of salvation. Jesus, save me through your death and resurrection, Lord, save us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we're saved apart from works. Thank we're saved only by one thing, believing in your name. We receive you, Lord. Be the Lord of our life and strengthen us now continually through this doctrine that we all walk so firm in you.